20 minutes late, and second time's the charm. We're going to be going for about an hour here. My name is Matt Rory. This is Careless Whispers. You're listening to CLNS Media, and Calvin Chamberlain, as always, is my host on this show, my co-host anyway. Calvin, the basketball season is right around the corner. Did you get the email about CLNS Media's Celtics postgame shows? No, why don't you tell me about it? I mean, I'm sure I did get the email, but I didn't read it. So why don't you tell me about it? I feel like you should check your email, and you should respond to these guys that are reaching out to you to see if you want to host post-game shows. Otherwise, they're going to overlook you, my friend. So I want you there, and I know you want to be there. Just reminding you and everybody else that uh, post-game's coming up. Friday night, the first preseason game for the Boston Celtics anyway, down in North Carolina against the Charlotte Hornets. Kyrie Irving doesn't seem to care about the venue. That's fine. Um, we're not starting with Wait. the Celtics. I just wanted to remind everyone about, and, and uh, plug the stuff on the network here, of course. But are you are you I'm surprised that the, the season is right here? Here it is. We're about to start. Oh, I know. I'm excited. Uh, you know what? I'm a little bogged down in football, to be honest with you, and my uh, my eternal uh, love of gambling. But I'm I'm getting around to you know media day. <laughs> my my team might be kind of good for once in the last good while. So uh, I, got I mean, you're, going you've on got a here. playoff team. You're going to root for a playoff team there, Calvin. I'll give you that much. Uh, that's such a backhanded compliment, but that's fine. <laughs> that's <laughs> <big. laughs> yeah, that's fine. You can, That's be, right. you can yeah. be skeptical. Look, we got a long, look, we got a long season. We'll be, we'll be talking about this more. It's fine. Long season. We will get into LeBron a little bit tonight because I've got a thing or two to say about him, but it won't oh. take too long. But we're going to start somewhere else in the NBA entirely, not the Celtics, not the Lakers. One of my favorite players in the NBA, Calvin, until recently when I've started to lose a little bit of respect for him. I'm not really sure why he's doing what he's doing, but uh, Jimmy Butler acting like a top-five player – holding out, saying he wants to get traded, doesn't want to play in Minnesota anymore. I don't know whether it's because uh, the the team seems to acknowledge Carl Anthony Towns as their best player, or he's tired of playing defense, or he's butting heads with uh, Coach Thibodeau. But I used to love the way this guy played the game, and I thought that he cared a lot, and I thought that he was a, a grinder, and I wanted him in Boston. And at this point, I'm starting to question that. I don't, I don't like guys that hold out. I just don't like it. I don't. I, I understand if you're underpaid or something like that, but holding out to to just because you don't want to be in a place or because you don't like playing with a certain other player, even though that person might be good or regardless of their status, I'm, I don't know if I buy into that stuff. As a matter of fact, I, I don't. Mean, to, to, wait, is he, to be fair, is holding out a fair... Uh, is that a fair statement to make? It's more that he's no. He's not even holding traded, out. He's right? sitting out. He's just sitting out. He's not even holding out. He's not. There's nothing. He's he's holding out for a trade. He's just he's deciding right. that he's not going to show up. I mean, these contracts are guaranteed. So he's he's obviously it's a it's a move that he's allowed to make. But I would imagine that the team would be able to to fine him or suspend him or something uh, for violating his contract. I'm not really sure how that all works, but this this seems like it's mm. conduct detrimental to the team. If they decide they don't want to trade him, I would imagine that they would try and uh, recoup some money from his contract from the league or what have you, just because 
this is this I guess is I, not good for for the team mentality, right? I guess I find this an odd stance, and we'll get into the nuts and bolts. But she she let off with this stance in particular. I feel like I have to respond to it, just because it's so common around the NBA now. That, like, if that all all the good players when they decide they don't want they they want to go somewhere else, and they come out and they make trade demands. Like Kyrie uh, did it. In, like when Kyrie Irving was traded to Boston, did you, did you lose respect for him at that moment? Like, I, I didn't really have much respect for Kyrie in the first place. This is the problem, is that I, I, I really liked Jimmy Butler quite a bit, and I loved the way he played the game. And as far as Kyrie is concerned, I knew that he was a, a, a superstar-like talent, uh, but I, I I mean, I thought that he was kind of showboat at times and, and uh, that he he d- didn't necessarily seem to be taking it seriously all the time. And I still feel that way. I think that there were times in games that he played uh, for the Celtics that that, that – he didn't seem to be totally engaged, but that's the type of talent that he is, right? He doesn't need to be. He can still find a way to, to take over situations and, and be productive while not being so uh, – we're not having so much effort on every single play. He makes it seem effortless. So there's, there's a bit of that involved there too. This is more about my perception, I think, of Jimmy Butler than anything, but uh, it's it, – I just – I, I feel like he had a chance to be in a pretty decent situation this year. And he, I just, I, I guess I don't understand the reasons that he's, he doesn't want to play. He wants to, he just wants to go to a different team. I mean, I, I feel like you should at least try and work it out and, and uh, play a, a month or two into the season before you start making trade demands. I don't know. It's not like he's in well, a I mean, terrible situation. Well, in a, in a way though, he kind of not in a terrible situation, but he's in a situation where Jimmy Butler is on the clock, right? Jimmy Butler is 29 years old. Absolutely. Yeah. Jimmy Butler is 29 years old. If he signs a a contract with another team after playing out the string this year with Minnesota, then he can only sign a four year contract, which would take him to age 33. Um, After that, even if Jimmy Butler still is good, let's say he's one of the guys you know, he's a, he's a LeBron type who breaks the mold. It's still, still the same, right? Uh, well, I didn't realize Jimmy Butler was 29, by the way, until this story started. There oh yeah. Now, how did he? Yeah. He's, he's, so he kind he, of started he, in the league a little late. I think he came into the league as, as like say. a 23 or 24 year old, and he was a late first round pick, if I remember correctly. And uh, he didn't really yeah. become that all star type of player and, until a few years into his his tenure. Yeah, it, it feels yeah. It, it, it feels too soon for Jimmy Butler to be 29, but that's fine. That's, the point is, is like, he if he if he signs, uh, if he gets traded to the team that he wants to re-sign with, right? Then he can then he can sign that five-year deal, get that extra deal and the extra year. And again, because Jimmy Butler, you know, has really only had one big contract because, like you said, he was a late first-round pick. All right. He's trying to get paid. He probably won't get another big one after it's that. All about the money, I guess, huh? He's in the snail, but I don't think it's all about the money either. I think it's it's about not being happy in Minnesota. We heard, look, you, I, I, I don't want to put Jimmy Butler. Uh, the thing you said about him, like not wanting to play defense, I, I don't think it's that because I, I, I hope he's, not. Well, That's I, a I, core I, part of his I, game. Because I, I've, I think I, listen, hold on. Get, I only, I only, I'm sorry. I didn't get that from anywhere. I only said that because Tom Thibodeau is notoriously one of the toughest defensive coaches in the entire league. That's the only reason I said that. Yes, yeah, he is. But, but you know what? But that's not. That's, 
here's the thing. He has a reputation, but it hasn't really worked out for him in Minnesota because he uh, he doesn't have the the talent. Uh, or maybe, you know, maybe somewhat his scheme has sort of been passed by by the direction of the league. And I don't want to say that for sure, but I'm just saying, like, it might not be just, just schematically, it might not be purely as effective as it was. You you sort of have to have the guys. With all the switching, it's, it's kind of hard to, to, like, scheme that out now. But anyway, that's not even where I'm going. That's losing track of the thread here. The point I'm making is, even before this offseason, last year there were rumblings that, that Jimmy Butler didn't like his teammates, um, particularly Towns and Wiggins. Uh, Wiggins' brother, you know, tweeted like, uh, like hallelujah and with like raised hands mm-hmm. when, he, when yep. Jimmy Butler made his trade demand. Certainly, yep. certainly he and Wiggins. There's also reports that he doesn't that he and talent he doesn't like Towns, and right. the, the the reasons behind this has always been like he doesn't respect their work ethic. And to be fair, the Timberwolves were pretty bad without without Jimmy Butler last year. They they almost missed the playoffs. They were the five seed for most of the season. Jimmy Butler gets hurt, and they almost missed the playoffs. Look, Jimmy Butler, whatever you want to say about Towns, uh, Jimmy Butler actually was their best player last year. If you go on both ends, like Towns has always had the profile of a guy who like should be a great defensive player, but he's actually not really that good of a defensive center. And so, like, like, I don't know, maybe that factors into it. Obviously, Wiggins, you know, is, is somewhat of a ball suck and kind of a poor decision maker. And, uh, again, a guy who has a profile of a guy who could be should be a good defender but never has put that together. Maybe – so, like, the, 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 the reasoning has been put out there that, like, Jimmy Butler is frustrated with them. But then I, I see that. But but the, the counter to that, right, is, is once you find out, like – Jimmy Butler's trade demands and where he wants to go. And you go, wait, he, he wants to go to Brooklyn, the Knicks. You know, where? Yeah. So this is the thing that, that to me speaks more to the long-term goals that you are sort of talking about. And that it, it's in, in that respect, I say that he wants to go to a place where he can sign a four to five year deal and lure, not lure, combine his forces with somebody else, Kyrie Irving, possibly, of course, they've been linked as well. That would be a, a, a sad day for Celtics fans, but I think they would be okay. That's a different story. We could talk about that in a couple weeks or something because it's going to be out there the whole season, I feel, uh, depending on where Butler ends up or not. Um, but he wants to go to a place where, where he can team up with somebody else and there's plenty of, of room. And obviously he wants to go to one of two markets, right? He wants to go to New York or L.A. He named two New York teams and an L.A. team, and the only reason he wouldn't say the Lakers is probably because uh, he 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 doesn't know what the situation there is going to be or something. But I'm sure if the Lakers no, right? came calling, he would go there too, right? So uh, no, 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 no. It, it, it seems I, like I, that's I two coasts. You don't think so? No, not not only two. No, no, it's not me who doesn't think so. There is there's a report out there that Jimmy Butler doesn't want to go to the Lakers specifically because he doesn't want to play with LeBron. The Lakers the Lakers are going to have wow. the cap space to sign Jimmy Butler to a max deal in the next offseason outright. Sign him for that five year deal if they wanted to. It, 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 by the way, the Lakers. I, I don't know if that. you've heard this, but they play in Los Angeles, and yep. and Le, LeBron plays there, right? And mm-hmm. they have a, so Jimmy Butler, if, if his motivation was purely winning. Right? Wouldn't the Lakers make more sense than the Knicks or the Nets or the Clippers? Absolutely. Yes, one hundred percent. But yeah. 
Yeah, but he's but supposedly now, and this is what makes me question every everything else about Jimmy Butler in terms of like, uh, you know, him just wanting to win and like supposedly he yeah he he doesn't want to play with LeBron because he, he's afraid LeBron's going to overshadow him and he doesn't want to be a secondary much like Kyrie Irving scenario he doesn't want to be the secondary guy to LeBron in L.A. so he intentionally like the Lakers are not on his list of like teams that he wants to be traded to. So if that's the case, then I find his whole attitude with the Timberwolves hypocritical. And I do have to say that, yeah, I so I, I'm not sure that like the, the the real reason, if we're boring it down right to its core, is the real reason why Jimmy Butler wants to leave the Timberwolves because he hates Carl Anthony Towns and, and Andrew Wiggins. And I'll acknowledge it can be two things, but or is it really just that he wants to leave Minnesota? He wants to leave the Timberwolves. Well, he doesn't want to play in Minnesota. He knows. Again, that he needs to be in, he needs to land in the place where he gets his five year deal. So he wants to go to one of these two markets where he can hope to to build a star or bring another star, and then he's going to be the alpha. It's like he just want. It doesn't sound like winning is the number one priority in this in this equation. Uh, it certainly doesn't. I mean, like I just said, he's trying to set himself up to team up with somebody else and be in a big market. It seems, and. LeBron is not the guy he wants to team up with, and that's then that's fine. He's he's trying to to be the man. He's trying to be that superstar type of player. Uh, but for all the praising of him that I've done over the over the years, I don't I don't think I've ever called him a a top ten player. I don't think I've ever said that he's a superstar cornerstone franchise player. I think he is a perennial All Star at this point. I think he's a top twenty player in the NBA and 25, if, if you want to stretch it out a little bit, I think he's definitely up there for sure. But to say that he's a franchise changing uh, title contending player on his own, it would be a stretch. And I've been one of his biggest fans for many years. So I, I just, I feel like he's, he's pushing it a little bit. He's, he's testing the waters a little too much and maybe he doesn't want to stay in Minnesota for that extended period of time. But I just, I feel like demanding a trade is probably not the the greatest way to go about it. Because if you demand a trade, Calvin, and you want to go somewhere specific, why would you put it out there that you want these specific teams? Wouldn't you be more open to say, uh, I'm, I'm going to accept the trade anywhere. But then talk to to management behind closed doors to sort of help management out. Unless you've really got a problem with management as well, wouldn't that facilitate a trade a little bit better if you were to say that you're open to go anywhere, uh, but then tell management that you really want to go to a few specific places so they can sort of take their, their negotiations whichever way they want to and try and lean a little bit more heavily on the teams you want to go to and try and still get a good deal for the team. I mean, I, I just, the whole trade demand thing, it, it kind of blows my mind sometimes because I feel like at this point, guys might be undermining themselves by saying they want to go to a specific place. Why not say you want to go wherever and let management sort of do its, its job and hope that they can help you out and send you to a place you want to go. I think that, that it would reflect better on you within the organization and obviously outside of the organization too. Uh, and it, it just, it seems like a better approach. So I don't know why more guys don't do it that way. 
I'm actually glad you brought this up because I, I wanted to talk about this just in, in big picture anyway, because we have uh, Nick's general manager, Steve uh, Mills came out and said like, that they're not, they're, they're like not going to give up much for Jimmy Butler. Um, exactly. Yeah. The, the reports are, I, I actually have this Zach Lowe article where I need to, that, that I was going to get into of like realistic uh, trade scenarios for Jimmy Butler in like, in, and I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But just this bigger point of like of Jimmy Butler aside, just free. I feel like at, look originally the idea was to like well back in the day the idea was like okay I'm only going to play for uh, for the Knicks and then you know uh, GMs of other teams would be like whoa well we can't trade for him now and then the, and then the idea was was like it would create create uh, leverage with that that particular team that he wants to go to or that small group of teams that, that the player wants to go to. But the problem, the problem is, is we've had like some GMs just throw caution to the wind in recent years and trade for guys anyway, right? Uh, with, without that, right. that being on. Because why not? And, and you know, in particular, the Paul George scenario, uh, where it, where like if you, you and sometimes it's like, oh, we'll trade for a guy and then get rid of these contracts we don't want as part of this. So even if we lose, like in the Kawhi Leonard scenario, where you, it's like even if you lose on Kawhi, out on Kawhi Leonard, you still sort of uh, – you, you got rid of the DeRozan contract and you're jump-starting your rebuild. So there's an argument to be made, like no matter what, that it's already a success. So there are other ways to sort of make yes. that trade for the one-year that's, rental. That's a perfect analogy. Um, and Sorry, not, not to cut you off, but also that, that looks good upon those guys. I'm sure that Toronto is, is really happy – the, the guys that are still there anyway, as much as they love DeRozan, I'm sure that they're happy that, that they took a chance and brought in a guy like Kawhi because it gives them a better chance. And they, I'm sure that they believe in themselves enough that they think that they can get him to stay. And that's, that, that's what it should be, in my opinion. It helps. Well, they, well here's the, but that's the thing. Even if, you, even if you can't get him to stay, it, it works out well for you. And it might just be worth the risk. Like, even if you're Oklahoma City – it, look, look. If you're a team that's not going to be able to get free agents to come in, right? If you're another small market team, uh, like whoever, I don't know, <laughs> excuse me, like Milwaukee, for example, um, why not take the risk? Well, well, you know, Lowe brings up the, the, the argument that like Middleton's more likely to stay, so why would you put him in a deal for uh, for Butler? Which is understandable, but I'm still just a, a person city that popped in my head. Anyway, the point I'm making is is you can trade for a guy now, and there are other reasons, and maybe and, and the way it's worked now, I almost feel like you. And again, because of the way it's burned, been burned the other way, where like the Knicks got burned in the in the Carmelo Anthony trade when they had hands, the Lakers could have uh, could have made an offer for LeBron, or you know, for, I guess that would have been ridiculous. But like, the point is, is like they could have they they could have made an offer for George, but they thought that they were going to get him, and thus like they were not they were going to lowball. My thought is now, when the free when the guy who wants to be traded comes out and he says like, these are the teams I wanted to, to to trade to. All you're doing is making it less likely that those teams offer much for you. Yeah. Because like those teams go, well, you're gonna be a, you're gonna be a free agent in a year. Why are we gonna give our assets up for you? And maybe part of you is doing that so they don't give up their assets for you. But like in but, but like what do you, what are the Knicks gonna okay. give up for Jimmy Butler anyway? You know what I mean? Like sure. Not, okay. Not so that, that sort team. of makes sense. Like maybe you want to let the team that you're going to sign with be preserved for a little bit longer. But the bottom line is, you're going to get shipped off somewhere, and just like Paul George found out, it might be a better situation than you thought. 
And you might want to stick around and sign a, a deal there because not only is it a better situation than you thought, but you're, you're going to make more money there because you were traded there. And you have basically, even though you're sort of sitting out and it feels like you have power, you've taken all the power away from yourself. You don't have any say in the matter at all. I, in, in my opinion, it, it, would, it would have been a much better look all the way around to – if you want to put it out there that you're demanding a trade, fine. Fine. Make it clear. But don't sort of undermine the trade process by demanding specific places because you're not helping anybody in that situation. Either you're going to get traded to a place you don't want to be and you've already said you don't want to be there, but that was the best deal for the, the team that you're leaving, or – you're going to get traded to a, a, a place that you maybe you do want to be, but the organization that you left has no respect for you whatsoever at all. And you better hope that it works out in that place that you want to be uh, and that they believe in you just as much as you believe in that, in that organization or else you're going to have to go somewhere else. And guess what? Once you get traded and then it doesn't work out for you, it's very difficult to sign a long-term deal uh, in the NBA, even if you're a superstar type of player, look at Dwight Howard. He was looked at as a stud and he walked away or he, I can't remember actually whether he got traded or he walked away from, from Orlando. Please remind me, but either trade. way he, ba- he traded. Exactly. He demanded like a trade from Orlando. He bounced around after that. It was difficult for him to stick around. I would hate for that to happen. No, that's to Jimmy not, Butler, that's a, but it, it, it seems, it seems to happen though. Because he he went to the Lakers and then he signed a max deal with Houston in that in that off season. So and then he started getting traded around. But All right. but he did but he did get his deal. So it did work out for him financially, even if, even if it didn't end up working out for him in Houston. And he chose. Well, to boo on Lakers, Houston. So. It still didn't work out for him as far as like doing anything. He he, tra- he was traded from Houston, right? So I'm, maybe he got paid. Yeah. But uh, if we're talking about having a successful career and continually to getting paid. Like Dwight Howard, if he had been able to stick in Houston, would have been able to make a hundred million dollars more than he already made. Because if they, if everything had worked out there, it's it's possible that they would have signed into another long-term extension, et cetera. So it's that's that's sort of what I'm getting at here. Whether he got paid on that first contract or not, I think ultimately guys that demand a trade and have it not work out in the first year or two are losing money in the long run. Uh, maybe, but again, I, I, I don't think it matters in Butler's case because he's, he wants that five-year deal anyway, which, which once he gets, you know, he'll be 34 at the end of that anyway. So like, what are we talking about it not working out? Like he didn't get it. No, you're right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it it would just be that he bounces around trade to trade and he is just still getting paid. And if that's what he wants, then fine. I just, it's not a good look, you know? I mean, that could happen anyway if he starts to decline, right? Who knows? Like, Jimmy Butler sure. is a grinder. Like, who knows? I know he's really strong, but, like, yeah, who, it's like how guys age can be unpredictable sometimes. So, like, he might turn into a role player in a couple of years anyway, which is the other thing that makes the Jimmy Butler situation interesting is, like, do you want to pay him that? If you're a team and you have that money, do you want to pay Jimmy Butler that money? Even if you can, I mean, maybe you want to pay Jimmy Butler that money if you're if you're a team who can clear two max slots, right? Which, like in theory, uh, those three teams can do if they make if they make the right moves, right? Maybe you pay him that money if he also brings you 
I don't know who is who is Clay Thompson who's a free agent. He brings you Kevin Durant, obviously, you're, you're, then it's worth it, right? But if, if he brings, yeah, if he's if he's bringing you Clay Thompson, is it is it worth it at that point? I don't I don't know. I don't know. It's an interesting question. I don't, I don't know who else is a free agent next season off the top of my head. Cause, uh, but there are there are guys. I, but anyway, but if he doesn't, and you pay him that one ninety, is he still worth it? He he might be, but I don't know. He might not be. I'd have to think about it at that point. But. Uh, there are some other interesting angles to this that I want to get to, which is one. Hold on. If, if I, okay. Should we should we take a random caller? Take it. It's been a it's been a long time since I've taken a call on this show. I didn't even give the number out tonight. Maybe it's on my Twitter actually. Three two three six four two one four eight four. This could be a prank. Maybe not. Who knows? It's been a long time. Don't recognize the number. 404. Welcome to Careless Whispers. How do you feel about all this Jimmy Butler ranting? Uh, well, first of all, don't be scared of callers, man. You'll get some good ones, too. <laughs> no, I'm not, listen, I'm not scared of callers. It's just been a long time. What's your hey, name? Hey, I man? embrace callers. Indeed. Indeed. There we go. Before we get into Jimmy, just the Dwight thing. Uh, the Dwight situation changed because of the back injury, and he was a lesser player. That's Had true. he stayed at who he was, then, yeah, he would have been able to get those deals. But once he became who he is now, then, yeah, he, he's going to be a journeyman-type uh, guy for the rest of his career. Uh, well, but and the nature of the NBA position, changed, too. Well, yeah. if he was still a monster, it wouldn't matter if we were playing small ball. If he was still that monster he was in Orlando, it, it would make a difference. He'd be even more effective in this era. But, you know, after that injury, he was just never the same. Uh, as far as the Jimmy thing, I think sometimes when we talk about trade demands, we picture a player in an office throwing a tantrum at a GM as opposed to this being a well-cultivated plan by him and his agent. And as far as, like, the demands to different cities, this isn't because they plan on doing things badly. This is how the process is weighed out for, for agents over the years as the best way to do it. So, of course, it's messy. Of course, it's ugly. But it's not being done haphazardly on some we hope this works out. Agents have figured out this is the best way to squeeze the franchise, uh, push out the franchises you don't want even involved in the talks, and ultimately get what you want. Now, Jimmy's not a superstar, so I don't think he ends up in one of his third landing spots, though. I don't That's think he issue. can make that kind yeah. of push. Which, What's your which name, could Colin? be interesting. Nas. Nas? Yeah, here, here, yeah. here's the thing, Nas, is like, I, I, I think that I, I obviously I agree that, that I understand that this has been sort of a, a practice that's been done for years, and I think it was effective at one time. But if you just look back at recent history, where when guys have demanded to go to a specific place, it's not working out. I think agents are maybe behind the times in, in sort of recognizing the, the changing nature of, of how leverage works in these scenarios, because teams, once, they're, once they've been given – uh, the the idea that like this guy wants to come to this team, especially in a Butler situation where he's only got one year left on his deal, as opposed to a guy like Kyrie who's got multiple years left, the teams don't want to trade for it. Like you saw it with the Lakers and George, we saw it with the Lakers and Kawhi Leonard. Uh, like what what ends up happening is all these teams that are like on the list. The same thing happened with the Sixers and Kawhi Leonard. Like all of those teams kept lowballing the Spurs until they ended up having to take. A deal from the Raptors who are willing to offer more with the again with the idea that that, that getting okay. off the books on the DeRozan contract helps them in so, other ways. But the point is, is Calvin, once you, you know names what? those teams, yeah, 
you you saying that makes me start to wonder, like, where do where do you draw the line between putting the blame on the player for demanding it and putting the blame on the GM of the team that he wants to go to for not offering a little bit more? I don't think it's about blame. I just think think it's it's about leverage. Yeah, it's a legit claim to want to leave, uh, and it's a legit claim for the other side to say, wait a minute, we don't want to give up too many assets. The New York Knicks, uh, you know, the example always sticks out in everybody's mind. But the main thing is, are we talking about a superstar or not? It's not about this has become something that's, that's older back in the day. It's about who the agent has when he steps to that table. If your leverage piece is somebody who's an all-star but not superstar, yeah, it'll get a little difficult. But if you step there with a legit superstar, oh, that trade demand's going to be met and you're going to make it work. So, yeah, it's different when it comes to Jimmy. But if we're talking about Towns, who has, you know, unlimited potential, oh, he'd be going where uh, his preferred destination was. I mean, who – well, let me, let me ask you this question in response to that. Like, who was the last guy who went to their preferred destination? It's not happening anymore. And, and, and again, I, I think that it's, this strategy is becoming un, in, ineffective because, because, again, usually these, these guys are going to a place that is either going to have free agency money for him down the line uh, or, or because of the fluidity of contracts and shorter contracts, like, people are able to trade and clear enough space for them anyway. Like, give me, give me the example of the guy who made the trade demand and went where he wanted recently. I don't think the strategy of, like, naming the exact spot you want to go to, like, maybe it deters some teams from trading for you, but to actually get that team to, like, to buy in and then, like, give up assets for you. And I'm not sure, by the way, that the free agents, that the, the stars or the, or the guys who want to, like, uh, make that trade. I don't. I don't necessarily think that they're always doing it to to get that specific team to trade for them. I think in some scenarios they're letting them know, hey, like because obviously if you have direct contact with them, it's tampering, right? You can't just say, you know, I mean, you can say like I want to sign with X team, but like of the, uh, the more dignified way to do it is to say like trade me to this team. You're also letting them know that hey, if I am a free agent, like you're on my list. I think that's a secondary value for that. Yeah, yeah definitely. And that's, and that's that why point. I don't get into any of the dignified stuff because a lot of stuff we get is team leaks first. We get the team side, and then we sure. operate from there. So from our view, we're getting uh, basically boss talk. And in boss talk, this employee has become rowdy and has declared that he wants to go X, Y, and Z. And then before you know it, we're coloring the narrative in that language. Now you say, okay, can you name a superstar that's been you know demanded a trade? No, not recently, because no superstar has demanded a trade recently uh, to a specific city. All I'm trying to say is it's all about that particular leverage. And when somebody doesn't have that, you know, that changes the whole dynamic of how it's going to work. Do you want Kawhi in the face of your franchise doing that laugh on media day? Hmm. Like, no, that's not a preferred superstar. So that's why Kawhi didn't get what he wants, not because of his skill. No, I mean, Kawhi, I think Kawhi, look, look. I think the Lakers, for example, would love to have Kawhi, and Kawhi wanted to go to the Lakers, but it didn't work out because, again, once he made that clear that he was interested in going to that team, then why would the Lakers trade one of their young assets when he could come in the offseason anyway? I just think that's... Yeah, yeah, but okay, we keep saying that no changes it. Why would that change? If you weren't willing to give up Ingram or any of the other young guys uh, because you're just not willing to give them up, why would the knowing or the unknowing change any of that. You see what I'm saying? Like that, that because, has no bearing because, on how this plays out. No, 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 because, because there's a difference between uh, 
like being willing to trade for a guy and then have have him on your team it would with the idea of like okay now we can sell him on the team and knowing that he wants to come there anyway and giving up assets because you're in, too impatient to wait a year when he's going to come anyway i mean at least in their mind you could just, right in the same that's, that's, that's where that's where the, i feel like way, some I, of the gms are are getting in a, a, a little bit too deep and they they depending on the type of player and that's where the leverage comes in that's where i think we were connect, we're all agreeing that if jimmy butler was a, a, a higher tiered player if he was better than top 20 like i said earlier top 25 then uh then he would be more apt to being traded to a place that he wants to go and teams would give up a little bit more for him but now you've got this poker game going on and who knows what the clippers are offering but uh new york has very few assets and, and brooklyn doesn't look that great either at this point so uh, it would be draft picks, et cetera, that would be most enticing. I mean, of course, there are a couple of young players on each team uh, that you can think of that, that would be potentially worthy to go back in a, in a Jimmy Butler trade. But uh, are those teams really willing to give up uh, guys that, that, have, uh, that haven't really blossomed yet? So I'm not really sure. That's where the leverage comes in, and that's where Jimmy Butler doesn't really have the leverage, which is why I'm surprised he's taking this, this approach. That's all. By the way, yeah, you know, I, you know I, I'm totally well, I think with you. That, I think he burned that thing down there, though. Because remember, he came in as Mr. Try Hard, Thibodeau guy, and he's barking on these young dudes about what they do and what they don't do. And after a certain point, you just become the loud old dude who everybody doesn't want around there. Yeah, maybe and it's the other way around. That, maybe they, they don't want him there. And then he, now he feels like he needs to leave. That's a great point. I mean, I'm yeah, sure it goes like both ways, man. Let's be honest. I'm sure I'm not. uh, Look, I'm not justifying those young dudes' work ethic or how they approach the game or anything like that. All I'm saying is, when you come from the Thibodeau school and you got a certain way of approaching things, that's not always going to rub people the right way. And hell, if we're being honest, man, they should have ran Thibodeau out of there anyway because he's going to run them young boys into the ground like he did Chicago if they let him. Yeah, I love Coach Thibodeau as a defensive coach. He did a lot of great things for the Celtics, but it seems as though. Uh, he's a little too too rough around the edges for to be a head coach. I, I just I feel like he's got to be more of that defensive minded guy. And I know his qualifications are there, and and he probably does deserve, or he he has deserved his head coaching jobs. But I think I think you might be right. Teams might start to look away from him, especially when they have a lot of younger players, because the league is totally different now. It's not that really grinded out type of league anymore. They're trying to get these guys more rest. They're trying to. Uh, preserve their bodies and stuff like that. And I don't want to say that they're becoming softer because I think the league is a great product still. And I, I, I don't think that they're being pampered well, it, more. I think it's a legitimate concern about assets. injuries and stuff like that, but it's just different. That's all. Well, yeah, but it's value, it's value in the asset. If you're going to buy a Porsche, you're not going to put the lowest quality gas right. in there and redline that thing for 24 exactly. hours. No, like it's you're necessary, not going to do that. So it's with certainly players, the same thing. You're investing $150 million in somebody. It kind of be uh, you know smart to try to extend that person's career. Uh, Pop crafted this. Nobody gives Pop credit for it with what he did with Timmy and Manu now in managing oh, their minutes and extending credit. their career. See, you guys are looking at the wrong side. He was of he was taking heat for sitting guys on national TV. You have to give Popovich credit because he was he had his players in his in mind first. He wanted health and and uh, availability over everything, and that. That uh, that was good for him, and, and it worked out really well. And I think it's a good approach, especially with the the superstar type of talent. See, to me, it's 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 not about him, uh, Thibodeau, not 
protecting his assets at this point. It's about him not developing his assets. Look, we, like I said before, Wings and Towns both have the physical tools, and you see it like occasionally to both be you know dominant level defenders. That was the the, the knock on or the the stat line on Wiggins coming out of college is like, well, what a I'll, great player he'll be. Towns, He's strong enough. Neither one of them. Yeah, Towns. Well, Towns. No, no. Towns. We know Wiggins can jump. (laughs) Well, Wiggins. That's a no, no. I think. I think physically, he he has the lateral quickness and the strength to be a good defender. Talk about physicality. The same thing with Towns. He's quick. uh, He's athletic. He should be a better. Both of these guys should be good defenders. Neither one is. That to me, they haven't been. They haven't developed enough under Thibodeau to to make the argument to have him continue to be. Hey, coach, like that's the bottom line. I don't, what happens like in the, in the during the length of their career? I mean, I'm starting to question. I, I know you know people love Towns. I'm a little bit lower on him than, than some, but um, yeah. But but like I don't think yeah. The point is is like regardless if you're higher on him overall than I am, he's just still not as good as he should be. He should be. I, see, you know, I, see, I, I would agree with that, but I'll say Towns' offensive abilities they make up for his defensive liabilities. You can live with the mistakes he makes on defense. Wiggins doesn't give you enough on offense to where you're even putting up with what he does. How much well, do you have to scheme to get him open? Maybe he How will now. How much do you have to feed him bucket? How? He can't but do it off the I'm dribble. Gonna... He's not going to do it off the jump shot. Like, what does Wiggins do besides jump? Like, I'm not a big Wiggins guy. I think oh, he's neither one of the great get-overs in, in league history. And I think LeBron, who plays with everybody during the summer and sees the development of kids coming to his camp, I think he saw that walking in the door, and that's why he traded him for Kevin Love before that dude put the jersey on. Hey, listen, I wouldn't be shocked, and it's possible that uh, Wolves fans are going to have to get used to seeing uh, uh, Andrew Wiggins uh, on the uh, on the court trying to score a lot more if they get rid of Jimmy Butler, if they end up uh, giving him what he wants and trading him away. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. Nas, we appreciate the call, man. Nice talking to you. We'll we'll uh, hear from you anytime, of course. We're going to move on now and uh, discuss right, a little bit Hi, of a, a Celtics topic. Talk to you later, man. Um, well, quickly, on, before, we move uh, Celt- before we move, go ahead. Yeah. So, so a couple other things. I, well, one thing about Thibodeau that I, that, that I found interesting that I want to get into you into with you is, is Thibodeau doesn't want to trade Jimmy Butler. And by the way, I'm, I'm kind of on his side. I know this, this might sound controversial. It's, well, you know, I mean – you're not going to get the any value at this point, in my opinion. I, I, I agree I with at, him as well. He's a great player, and you have a good relationship as a coach. Why not have a guy like that on your team? Well, like, like again, I looked at this Zach Lowe piece, and the things that, the guys he's talking about are guys like, uh, first of all, apparently the Timberwolves will want to get off the, the Jing contract as a, as, as a part of this as well. But, like, talking about guys like Justice Winslow and Josh Richardson, uh, Josh Richardson, apparently I can't say his name, uh, you know, like Dario Saric, maybe in Robert sure. Covington, or like, um, you know, I mean, Otto Porter, Kelly Oubre, and Marquis Morris. That's actually a good deal to me. Um, let's see. Yeah, a lot of these teams, like Harrison Barnes, you know what I mean? Like, if, hmm. if I'm Minnesota, here's the thing. I don't, I, don't, I don't know that I just don't hold on to Jimmy Butler. Because you, you said he was a holdout, but he's not really holding out. He's just demanding to be traded. No, he's sitting out. But if he, if he doesn't get traded, he's still going to stay there and play out the year. And yeah, maybe he doesn't re- resign with you, but you're the Timberwolves anyway. Like, what are you going to get for Jimmy Butler? And here's where I'm at. What are you going to get for Jimmy Butler, right, that, that's going to make your team uh, better than what Jimmy Butler is, is going to do this year? 
you have a chance to compete. Maybe you can't beat the Warriors, but again, I don't subscribe to. I'm not an all or nothing theory guy, right? Mm-hmm. Or like, oh, you can't. Like, yeah, they you can never win a playoff know. series or two. It's a wait and see type of league. If they yeah, travel right away with Cutlet, what's that? It's a wait and see type of league. You have to wait and see who, who's right. injured and who's not. It's not like people are are going to be injured for a short period of time and then come back healthy. I mean, sometimes they do, but uh, you have to kind of see well. what it looks like in February. Yes. I just don't see. Again, I'll, I don't see, and, may, and maybe that offer comes down the table. But we saw it, like you know, in in this Kawhi situation where the Spurs held on, held on, held on, they ended up getting a, a pretty good deal. Maybe something pops out that makes it worth it for Minnesota. But if not, I just say, hey, you know what? We could be good this year. Jimmy Butler's still going to try. It's not like he's the type of player who's going to just like not try at all, sit out game. If he, if he starts doing that, then we'll have a fresh conversation about it. But I I doubt that's going to happen. I would I, like if, if it if it comes down to like me just getting like a low grade assets that are like not really going to help my team that long, you know, that much long term, then I I think that I'm going to. Like even if it you know ultimately would would make me slightly better long like long term than, than losing Butler for nothing, I think I would still just roll the dice on this year, and I I feel like Tom Thibodeau feels the same way because he doesn't want to trade Jimmy Butler, which what I find interesting Rory is he doesn't want to trade Jimmy Butler, but the Timberwolves owner Glenn Taylor who gave Tom Thibodeau like final say, he is basically the GM. But now he's coming in and he's like overruling his own GM and insisting that like Butler needs to be traded soon. That's what a weird scenario. If you're, if it's you're it's, very, it's very it's very strange. I just I, I don't really understand uh, how this is going to work out well for anyone. I, I feel like Butler's going to end up in no man's land. It'll ship him to Orlando or something. You know, just something that not specifically Orlando, but something strange because they would get the best deal back as far as younger players and, and draft picks are concerned. And then he's going to be stuck there doing nothing and he'll, nobody will look at him. And then he'll have a situation where he can't find a, a great contract and he's lowballed. I just, I, I'm picturing the worst and maybe I shouldn't be, but it just does not seem like a prudent approach to me. So um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what else to say about it. Like Eric Gordon and PJ Tucker in a in, in a Houston Rockets first round pick, you doing that for Jimmy Butler? That's that's the kind of things that are on in this. Yeah, article. I guess I probably am. I, you know, like I, at this point, that sounds decent. PJ Tucker's a grinder. I'm sure Thibodeau would like him, and uh, Eric Gordon has shown flashes. So uh, who knows? But that pick is is meaningless because it's coming from Houston, unless it's one of those picks that they have accumulated over the years or something like that. Like their pick's not going to be that great. Yeah, I don't. I don't like it. I mean, I like Eric Gordon, but like Eric Gordon's not Jimmy Butler. No, definitely not. All right, uh, All right. let's talk Celtics for just a few minutes because that's yeah. the, the 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 heat of the moment over here. Everybody's going crazy for the Celtics, and everybody loves what's about to happen, and they're excited for training camp, and it's a brand new season. All this stuff. So. I'm going to take one specific thing that I saw from media day in one of the random moments that I was looking at Twitter today. So perspective on this one is pretty, pretty wide open. I don't really know details of this. I just saw a quote and it, potentially that that quote is being misquoted, but this is what I took out of, uh, of what I saw. And 
I want to sort of get your opinion on it because I find it to be really interesting and I think it's encouraging as well. And it's about Jalen Brown. And essentially, uh, Jalen Brown, I think, was sort of asked what he's looking forward to this year or something along those lines. And he uh, it could have been in a negative connotation. I'm not sure how the question was asked. But the response was along the lines of the, uh, him sort of addressing his critics and saying that he's curious to see what those critics are going to criticize him for this year because all the things that he – felt that he was criticized for he's worked on diligently and he's improved and he's confident that he's he, he those aren't going to be criticisms anymore so i am admittedly a jalen brown critic i have been skeptical of him since he joined the team as as a rookie since they drafted him uh, i have liked the pick i always thought it was a good pick and that he, his potential was high but i've consistently said that he's not polished yet and that the uh, uh, fans overrate him and that he has a lot of work to do and he has a long way to go. So you could label me as a critic, but I've also supported him. So don't get, don't get this thing twisted. Anyone out there. I'm just curious to, to see what Calvin thinks about what he could have improved on that is going to erase all criticism and what he, because it sounds to me like he's confident that he's, not going to really be able to be criticized anymore. And uh, he, I thought that his shooting needed, needed work. And I've always thought that he could be a better finisher at the rim. And after seeing Jason Tatum last year, I, that, that criticism of Jalen Brown grew for me. I thought that Tatum was a better finisher at the rim. Uh, I, I just think he could be polished better offensively. He's an excellent athlete. I think he's great defensively and he knows where to be and how to get there on defense. Uh, and he takes great angles to the basketball, but offensively, his handles, his shooting, all sorts, all those sorts of little things, I thought needed improvement. So if those things improved, then maybe I won't have criticism for him. But I'm just, I, I'm, I'm wondering how you feel about those types of comments because the confidence is is great, but there's a line between confidence and overconfidence, and I don't want Jalen Brown to believe that he can do anything and then be humbled quickly because I think he's better than that, but it's going to take a little bit longer than he may, he may believe. I, mean, I don't really, from afar. I don't really see it as a confidence thing at all. I kind of actually, and you're probably going to completely disagree with me, but I, I actually kind of see it as a sign of insecurity. And the reason why I feel like this is because how much, and maybe you can tell me more. And I know the Boston has like, it's a particularly tough media market, uh, tougher than average, right? But we're talking about a guy who, you know, had just played in the NBA two seasons, right? This first season, okay, fine, he probably got some criticism, but like, just by how much he advanced in his second season as a player, like, and the fact that like young young guys, especially guys on their rookie deal who aren't being overpaid, right? Not being overpaid, uh, definitely sort of ahead of the learning curve uh, in relation to a lot of other guys his age, right? How much criticism could there really have been well, towards Jalen Brown that season? Like you're you're pointing out the like things that in his game that could stand to improve, right? And that's a sure. fair thing, but that's not the same. That's not the same as having critics. When I when I hear guys say like my critics are going to have nothing to say, that means that, that I, I sort of feel like he is a guy who felt like he had a lot of critics, and I, I guess I find that odd 
because I haven't I haven't heard a lot of like other than again, so, like you talking about his imperfections as a player, that's fine, right? And maybe like on CLNS radio because we talk away right. from Celtics and like And that's that's what I'm it. starting to wonder, like, is he listening to our podcast? Because I don't hear criticism from many other people besides a few of the hosts on this sh- on on our shows here. <laughs> and I mean so here's the exact quote from him. Uh, I, I put too much energy into trying to prove other people wrong instead of trying to prove it to myself. All of my energy is focused on me right now. It's on me getting better instead of putting energy out to change people's mindsets and all that. This year, I'm so unbothered, it's crazy. This year, I'm just trying to be the best version of me. I know Celtics fans have high expectations, and I'm okay with that. I'm unbothered coming out and playing, knowing that I have abilities not a lot of people in this world have. I am going to show that this year. Uh, And then he goes on to talk about uh, established roles and uh, trying to figure out where you're fitting in and opportunities and things like that. Uh, Leadership is something that he touched on as well. Uh, But uh, I I, I feel like that the first part of that quote was was talking about – Maybe maybe even a straw man type of thing because quite honestly, when even if it's a bunch of Celtics fans on CLNS media or maybe one beat guy writes about it or something, and there's a, uh, there's questions about what Jalen Brown could become, I feel like that's a little bit of a straw man because I don't Definitely. really hear that anywhere else. He's not the focus of of criticism for for uh, that organization or for or for that team. Whatever criticism has like real criticism has come against that team has not been focused on him. In my opinion, I feel like Al Horford gets a, a, a real brunt of the criticism and uh, right. or, people, people put blame on Al Horford for losing games and things like that. I don't really think you see that with Jalen Brown. So when I, when I saw this stuff, I was kind of confused. I was wondering where it was even coming from. Yeah. And I guess that's why I feel like maybe because like, there's, there's no way he can look, you've got to be like aware enough to see what the general, if you're going to be saying, Oh, I'm, I'm out here, like reading all this stuff around me, because some guys don't read anything about themselves. Right. But if he's out there, like, like talking about his critics, I, I feel like he has to see that he's getting more positive uh, feedback than, than negative feedback. I feel like he's mostly getting praise. praise. I read an article last year. Uh, actually it wasn't last year. It was in the off season uh, about how like, the Celtics shouldn't trade, uh, shouldn't include him in a Kawhi trade because he might be Kawhi in a year. Which I'm, I'm like, oh, okay, well that's where we're at. That's like, a stretch. I, I yeah. feel like that's sort of like I, I, I'm not seeing much negative talk about him at all, and I feel like he can't really be seeing that much either if he's out there reading it, or at least like in terms of positive to negative balance, it's got to be tilted toward positive. So it just makes me feel like maybe he's just a little too sensitive. Maybe. I don't know. And that's where I, I sort of think he said he's 100% more confident. And that's where my, my the, that word confident from me earlier came. Uh, so that's right. why I, I want I want him to draw the, I want him to draw the line between confidence and overconfidence. Right. Um, so I, I just, I, I'm not sure if it's going to work out, but that, I just wanted to touch on that for a few minutes because that was the thing that really stood out for me today. Uh, aside from Kyrie Irving's new look, I don't know if you've seen Kyrie, but he's nope. he's wearing an, uh, a new headband or actually I don't know what he called it. I should should have looked it up. It, it, oh, it's more of a head wrap, I guess. Uh, and he's growing his hair out a little bit. 
And uh, he says the look is here to stay, and he needs to find a, a head wrap with an NBA logo on it so he can wear it during games. So check out Kyrie's new look, Calvin. That's the other thing that came out of media day today. Okay, I'm, I'll look into it. Let's, uh, since we're still in the NBA, let me, uh, let me hit you with a couple NBA ranks. Oh, okay, yeah, a couple of those, and then we'll jump on the Patriots real quick because I know people are thinking about that right now. Yeah, so uh, yeah, so Jimmy Butler, who we were talking about earlier, came in at number fourteen. Out of curiosity, if you're curious, um, Carl well, Anthony Towns. That's higher than I would probably would have put him right I, earlier. I was saying top twenty, so yeah, Towns Fair came in at twelve for the makeup. Yeah. So th- that, knew, uh, that sounds that sounds like NBA rank and uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves organization have they're pr- they're pretty much in sync about their own players there. You want to do a little guess? You want to do a little guessing? I think I know some of these, but go ahead. Let's do it. All right, let's start from the top. I'll make it. We'll go down to make it easier. Who you got? Who you got? Who you got at number one? Well, this is NBA rank, right? So. Yeah. They're 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 going to go with LeBron James. Oh, shockingly, yes, they went with LeBron James. Surprise. Now we're already we're already getting interesting here at number two, right? Because it could be any number of guys. Who, on the Warriors. Who, who do you uh, on the Warriors? Who do you very think is the second best player in the NBA? Let's start with that. No, don't if, we're, if we're gonna go, if we're going pure talent and most important player and all that type of thing and guy who can carry a team by himself if he had to, I'm going. I'm going Kevin Durant. But I feel like potentially ESPN, if this is who it's from, may have may have switched it and maybe gone. James Harden or uh, Steph Curry, perhaps. They did go with Steph Curry. Uh huh. I find, I find the eternal. You know what I find interesting about Steph Curry, I guess versus Kevin Durant, if that's if that's how you want to phrase it, is like this is kind of the only. I mean, maybe you can come up with another example, but this is kind of the only like all-time great team that I can think of that there wasn't there wasn't a, a pure hierarchy of like, this is the, this is like the, the alpha of the two stars on X team. And this guy is the beta, right? Even there, there've been some cases where like the beta on mm-hmm. certain teams has, has been like, Oh, well maybe Kobe's gotten to where Shaq is like, but, but there's still sort of always been well, a, a generally like felt, felt around, you know, league circles or around fans or whatever. Like this is the A guy. This is the B well, guy. What about the Celtics? I mean, I guess it's Garnett A, Pierce B. No, the Celtics when they won that one title in '08, that's that's a tough one. I mean, other than that, uh, you have to go back to like, oh boy, uh, I'm thinking like, the, did the Knicks win a title with Willis Reed, and was he the best player outright? I'm not really sure. Yeah, they did. I, yeah, yeah. So. Th- Willis Reed, but they also had they also had like Earl Monroe and Walt Frazier, like those guys. That was a team. I, I I think it's in the modern era. You're absolutely right, but as you sort of look back in history, there are probably some times where you can you can question but, who the best but player but was. You're na- but you're naming like one title teams. What I'm talking about is yep. like dynasties. Like okay, time, uh, you know what I mean. I'm talking about like all time great kind of teams or like teams that won. You you're know, right. No teams that were around for a while. So, I would say, like, if if Utah had won some game, some uh, NBA championships instead of Chicago, 
the Malone Stockton thing might be a question, right? Uh, no, but, I don't think it would be. I, you I, don't think I so? I think Malone would be the ace. No, Malone out, right? I, I, I love Chad Stockton, and I kind of don't like Carl Malone, but yeah, I think Malone is easily the uh, the A on that in, in that scenario. And you would say that Isaiah Thomas was the the A for the Pistons easy. and easy A. Uh, yeah. And of course, it's Larry Bird for the Boston Celtics and Magic for the Lakers. Is that where you're, that's where you're going with all this? That's exactly where I'm going with all yep. this. Yes. All right. Yeah. But who is the alpha of the who is the alpha of the Warriors? It's such an interesting question because it is like because Kevin Durant. Look, it's a weird way. It's it's like you know what it is. If we're going by like it, it should be Durant, overall, but it's not is, his team, right? Who's the who is the best? It's Durant, but I feel like Curry is still somehow more important. You know it's, what I mean? Like if it's Curry's team, because of what he, he's been there. He's the veteran. He's the guy. Like he was drafted by them. He he's the one that's been there. So Durant, I think, sort of defers to him. And if if but I don't I mean, think it's just maybe that. I'm I, out of maybe I'm off base here, but I feel like that's got to be part of it, right? I think to me, it's not just that though. It's the it's like the gravity that Curry brings to that team. The attention that you have to pay to Steph Curry. Like makes everyone so much better in a way that yeah you have to pay that attention to Durant too, but like you can you can defend Durant in a way that you can't defend Curry when Curry is like on point because he can shoot from seventy five feet. It's interesting like but on the other on the other side Durant is so versatile like defensively and so good at everything that it's like I don't know I don't know what the answer is there. I guess I'm kind of okay with Curry being two. I just would not have expected that to be the answer. Um, but you maybe know ESPN is, is realizing what uh, what what he means to the team. Maybe he's they're realizing exactly what you just said. Like he he can shoot from anywhere. He uh, you have to pick him up before the half court line, or he might jack a shot. Who knows how he's feeling that day? Like it's it, it's incredible what he's done in, in so many games over, over the course of his career. Uh, and quite honestly, I'm, I'm, without him, I, I'm not sure if they, they do win two out of three championships, you know? No, without Durant. They definitely don't win that. No, win. without Curry. I I'm mean, saying without Curry. They, oh. they may, not, even, oh, they may yeah. not win two out of three. So with, without Durant, obviously they won one without Durant. So without Curry, I'm, right. I'm, I'm not convinced of that. Wait, have they only won two? I thought they, I thought they won three now. No, am I crazy? Three out of four or two out of man, it's all blending together. I, think, I, I guess I'm gonna have to... I think it's three out of four already, isn't it? Maybe I'm wrong. Um Wow, if I just misquoted that then I guess it's it's me Didn't they <sighs> sort of getting getting the wins? getting it blended together. Let's just I'm gonna just confirm this right now because that's the way it yeah, goes. I'm, nope. It's you, uh one it's one three out of four. You're right. I just blended the last four, two right? together. It yeah. is three out of four. Unfortunately, because LeBron's been to what is this nine in a row? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight in a row. Yep. Yuck. Anyway, so Eric I don't Bolster have a problem with Curry being four a finals in a row. That's disgusting. Who Eric Bolster went to four finals in a row. That's terrible. I hate that. Uh, I hate that so much. No, with the Knicks, with the Heat. No. No, he only went to three. Can you go to four? No, he was the coach when the Mavs won in eleven. What? He an assistant coach. He wasn't a he wasn't the head coach. 
uh, Wikipedia says he's the head coach. Maybe he was. Did he did he get interim at one point uh, halfway through that season or something? I don't remember who their coach no. was prior to that. Uh, now we're going down a rabbit hole. No, their coach was what's his name? Uh, the same one they have now. What's his name? Carlisle. Eric Spolstra. No, that's not correct. Wikipedia is wrong. The Heat. Case. Carlisle was the Mavericks coach. Yeah, In April 2008, Spolstra became the head coach of the Miami Heat after Pat Riley's decision to step down. So, yes, absolutely. 11. The Mavericks. You're right. So I went back eight years for all eight of. You're right. right. He did go to to four finals. You're right. Loss, win, win, loss. You're right. I forgot. My bad. Oh, anyway, that's okay. Brutal. Anyway, is right. Anyway, back to uh, yeah. Back to the NBA ring. So uh, no problem with Curry at two. Do you have a problem here, though? I have a problem with James Harden at three. I don't buy it. I don't what buy it either. Cause where's Durant? Four. Durant tied for fourth. Ugh, gross. With Giannis. Well, people are all over him. People love what he can bring, and he had to, he did take a big step forward last year. So we'll see if it happens again. But I feel like he might just sort of be similar to what he was last year, right? And, and that to me, that's still not better than Durant. Look, I love Giannis, and he can do a million things, but one of the things he can't do is shoot. Kevin Durant mm-hmm. is one of the best shooters of all time. Like, I don't see, I don't see how. James Harden is better than Durant, and I also don't see how Giannis is better than Durant. By the way, I also I think that Anthony Davis is better than Giannis. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and probably Anthony also Davis? better yeah. than James Harden. If we're, uh, if we're talking about everything that can as do... As far as an impact an player, yeah, I mean, yeah. Harden's the better scorer, obviously, but all-around yeah. impact player, uh, give me Anthony Davis all day. Like, would... Let me ask you this. Who it would the Rockets trade James Harden for Anthony Davis? That would be an interesting question, right? But would the oh, Pelicans man, do I it? Hope so. Would the Pelicans no, do it? No, probably not. Like they Pelicans would. shouldn't. No, no. Unless unless he wanted out, right? That's the only way they do it. Sure. Yeah, so for the Rockets, it becomes an interesting question. Because hmm. then you have you have Chris Paul and Anthony Davis. Then at that point. Yeah, I feel like I would do it because then you're you've got Anthony Davis forget about Chris Paul he's going to retire in the next few years like you've got Anthony Davis that's that's the big one I mean James Harden can but only take construct- you so far you've seen that already the counter to that though is they've constructed their team so much around like uh what James Harden does but I feel like you could easily flip that with that roster anyway we're getting off track here all right um Let's uh let's round yeah, out let's this end. top let's ten and move on or not. Okay. Uh, uh yeah, I'll just give you a little a quick yeah. Other guys in the top ten. Um well, my thing froze. So All right. What nope, nope. Uh Anthony Davis was next. Um then was Russell Westbrook. Then mm-hmm. was Kawhi, which is like you know, who knows, right? Yeah. Could be. But, yeah, the last two in the top ten, I don't mm, – jo- Joel Embiid was nine. How do you feel about that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I really don't like Damian Lillard at ten. 
Maybe just, I've just never been a Damian no. Lillard guy. I knew he- Honestly, and maybe it's just because I'm wearing the green goggles, but if you're going to put a point guard at 10 in that situation, why is it not Kyrie Irving? I, I don't know. Uh, Kyrie Irving came in at 20, by the way. Yeah, that's that that seems low to me. I think he'll prove people wrong, and he'll end up in the top 15 at least this year. So, anyway, um, th- that's a story for a different night. Okay. Let's let's move on quickly right. uh, yeah. as we take Wait, another. Yeah, let's take let's take a call? five or five or ten minutes with the Patriots right now because yeah. Uh, if I had told you, let's let's talk about the Patriots because it's uh, they're just doing so. Oh, wait, what? Oh, what's no! happening? Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I just I, I must have hit the wrong button. No! They look like crap right now, don't they? Holy moly, what is crap. wrong with that team? Uh, so without making excuses for them, I'm not surprised that they don't look great. Uh, they have been hurt by suspension to Julian Edelman. They have a couple of injuries, especially last week. There were many, a few key players out on both sides of the ball. Uh, so I'm, I'm not surprised that they looked confused and slow on defense last week. And I'm not surprised that their running game can't get going. Uh, but if, if Josh Gordon doesn't fit in, I think this team might have an, a, a little bit of a problem on offense and they maybe are trying to figure it out right now. Uh, they relied heavily on Sony Michelle, the rookie running back last week, and it didn't really work out for them. If he's trying to, if they're trying to get him to take his lumps so that he performs better later in the season, I'm fine with that strategy. I just, I, I feel like it's not panic mode yet. Calvin, people should wait and just see what's going on. If they're one and two, they could rip off 10 wins in a row. You're not, you can't be down on this team just yet. Uh, but they do have an important game against the dolphins at home next week. And if they, if they fall the one and three, the dolphins are three and oh, they look pretty good. And they're confident coming into this, this, uh, this game against the Patriots. If they, if they lose this game at one and three, people are going to start to panic. I still don't think that's panic mode because they could figure it. I mean, you of all, all people know that as a Giants fan, you can find a way to figure it out in the last four to five weeks of the season and run the table and win the, the, the Super Bowl. That's happened to you multiple times now, twice, at, twice, right? Where they've, they've been sort of a, a okay nine and seven or, or a 10 and six team, get the wild card, make a run win the Super Bowl. Yep. So you, you know that this can happen. And so I'm not concerned just yet, but there are definitely some glaring weaknesses that they need to figure out. Yeah, that's fine. But um, well, first of all, yeah, you know how much I believe in the Dolphins? Not at all. These three right. crappy teams. Like, I watched some of that, the game last week against the Raiders. The, the Dolphins, like, the Dolphins scored on a two-trick plays, right? And then... Uh, the Raiders were uh, they were behind the entire game. The Raiders were about to go up again, but uh, Derek Carr threw an interception in the end zone. So, like, I don't believe the Dolphins are good. I also don't believe that they have a chance in hell of winning in New England on Sunday. So, like, the, the idea, like, I, if they do, look, we'll come back and we'll do the show again next week, and I'll say, you know what, the Patriots are in trouble. But you know how many times, Rui, I've had to deal, like, had to have the annual, like, are the Patriots in trouble? September comes. It's annual. Oh yes, it's annual. It's September still, so yes, it happens every year right around this time. 
whether they're two yeah, and, and two or or they're they're one and two or I mean I don't think I don't know the last time they were one and three. I'll look that up right now, but it, it happens. You're right. Yeah, I think the last time they were one and three, Drew Bledsoe was a quarterback. So like, they if they go to one and three, then I'll then I'll take all of this back. But they're not they're not going to go one and three. They're going to be fine. Your division still sucks. Even if, even if I think the Patriots aren't as good, and I kind of do think that because yeah, your your wide receivers are kind of lame, and I know they're getting Edelman back, but I feel like it's going to work out with Josh. I love Josh Gordon, so like. I'm in this weird scenario. You know that I've like had his back for a while, so I, I kind of want him to be good, but I don't really want him to be that good in the Patriots. So it's a weird scenario for me. But so, so the here's, defense, here's perfect like... timing. The Ringer put out an article out yesterday, and they're saying don't overreact yet. I didn't even see this until right now because I googled the last time Patriots were one and three. Uh, in 2001, the Patriots were one and three. They finished 11 and five and won the Super Bowl. So if anybody's freaking out, like, fine, the weaknesses are there. You understand, and just understand that they will work on it. But they're not the type of organization wait. to just go disappear. Wait a second, is that is that the is that the Brady Blitz year? Was that the year I'm talking about? Was I, I right? I think so. They started one and three, and then that was the first. Yeah, that was the the big comeback, uh, or the uh, the scenario where Bledsoe got got hurt and. Brady stepped in, and uh, I believe Bledsoe even sort of played in between there for a little bit, and then Brady ended up finishing it out and, and finishing the season out, and uh, the, the team ended up going to the Super Bowl and winning it. And then, again, more recently, they started one and two in 2012 and went to the AFC Championship game. So they finished 12 and four there as well. It's it, it's not the first time, you know, and, and that's the point yeah. here. It, yeah. I'm just I'm just proud of myself for randomly being right about the last time they were one and three without even having any idea. But any in any case, um, yeah. So they'll be fine. Uh, I have no idea how much time we have left, so I don't know if I should continue on this or just I want to talk about the Bucks real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Great. You have a few minutes since we started late. Yeah, I know. I know we started a little bit late. That's why I was confused. I was confused about exactly how much time we have left. So really, Ryan Fitzpatrick, yeah, he lost in Pittsburgh, right? Two and one, but first quarterback in the NFL history to have three straight 400-yard games, uh, threw some yeah. picks in that Pittsburgh game, but then he ended up coming back. The other two games looked dominant, but the thing about Ryan Fitzpatrick really, is that he's 40, not 40, he's 35. That's what I meant to say. Um, probably not the long-term solution there, right? You have Jameis, just came off a three-game suspension for groping an Uber driver. Has had sort of an, had a history of you know small time trouble now and sort of being a pain in the ass. And by the way, uh, uh, has a three and ten record as a starter with the Bucks. Fitzpatrick is like I think he's like seven and four or something. If you are, what do you what do you do about this scenario right now? Do you do you go straight to Jameis, or do you you like write it out with Fitzpatrick um, until he starts playing poorly and then go to Jameis, or like what do you like just get rid of James entirely and stick with Fitzpatrick. Hasn't been the question that every team that Ryan Fitzpatrick has been on his entire career uh, had to answer. They've had to try and figure this thing out because I mean, this guy has shown flashes of brilliance really every year in the NFL. Right. I, I, I feel like anytime this guy starts a game, he has potential to throw for 350 yards and, and four touchdowns. 
but also on the flip side, he has the potential to throw for 300 yards and four picks uh, or, or, or 200 yards and four picks or even less for, for that matter. So you never know what you're going to get from this guy. So that's, that's the gamble when you have Ryan Fitzpatrick leading the way. And Tampa has a, a young, promising quarterback, even as maligned as he is uh, in his personal life. He is a young, I mean, what is he, two years in the league? Uh, he has, sorry, it's, this is his third year now. Or, his, oh, wow, he's been in the league four years? Yeah. Guess guess I underestimated that one. Uh, but the point is that he has basically improved since his rookie season. He's still a decent quarterback, and, and he's he has a ways to go. So do you throw away that potential to ride out uh, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's high point of his season, or do you move on? It's a tough question. I think that they should just go with Winston right away when he comes off suspension see how it goes, and if they're really in a pinch, then Fitzpatrick comes back. That's that's what the backup is, and that's what he was signed to be. So I, I this is that's the gamble of Ryan Fitzpatrick, though, because who knows? He could have another two, three games in a row where he looks pretty good, and then you're going to have a, a really bad one. So it's, it's Here's a tough, thing you need tough to know. decision. Here's another thing you need to know. Is that, like, because it's his fourth year, okay, uh, he, they have to decide in this offseason whether or not they're going to pay James Winston. And my thing is like, yeah, see if I'm, he can play. I'm well. See, I think I, I, I personally, I kind of already feel like I know whether or not he can play. And, and to me, it's not even about Fitzpatrick. It's about James. Like you're right, Ryan Fitzpatrick can look good in short spurts, and then or, or, or even for a full year. Remember we had that year with the Jets where we had like 4,800 yards and they gave him a big contract and he was terrible sure. the next year. Like. For all I know, Fitzpatrick could be good all year. Like, I personally, I don't think, look, I, I feel like I kind of know what Jameis is going to do, and he's going to be like a slightly below average, he's not terrible, he's going to be a slightly below average quarterback, and I don't think Tampa can compete this year with Jameis Winston as their guy. Now, and because I sort of feel that way about this year, I kind of feel that way long-term about him anyway. It's not even about Fitzpatrick. Like, I wouldn't pay him either. I so I would ride with Fitzpatrick until he start, until he starts turning back into bad Fitzpatrick, and then maybe I go to Jameis. But I'm not sure I want to pay Jameis anyway. I know he, he's kind of one of your guys, and you love Jameis Winston to the Florida State thing. I get it, but like I, I think I'm just not there with him at this point. And because of that, I'd be more willing to like to hurt his feelings or whatever whatever comes along with that until Fitzpatrick starts becoming bad again. All right, so but you're still acknowledging that Fitzpatrick is going to become bad, and then Winston is is uh, a guy that you would plug back in there. So to me, I mean, yeah, Fitzpatrick has had an amazing couple of first or first first three games here, even though he had four picks last uh, last night, like you mentioned. Uh, but the potential of Winston is, is something that I think you have to try and see how much you can get out of him, especially if you are going to have to decide whether you're going to pay him or not. Uh, and if he is a guy that can take a step forward in, in his fourth season here, then I think you would want to pay that, pay him and let him walk away and then have to start all over again. Uh, if Tampa thinks that they are 
a, a team that can make some noise in the next couple of years, then I, I would believe that they'd want to get as much out of Winston this year as possible as far as an evaluation standpoint is concerned. And, I mean, if you're just looking at stats, over the course of those guys' careers, Fitzpatrick and Winston, they're pretty similar as it stacks up right now. Uh, obviously, Fitzpatrick has, has had a much longer career. He's been in the league for, oh, man, probably – what, almost 10, 10 or 11 years now, whereas Winston, like we're saying, is going into his fourth season. So, But overall, the, the TD to interception ratio is pretty similar. Their passer rating is very similar. Um, they, it's just a matter of opportunity for Fitzpatrick. He's stuck around a long time, and Winston may end up being a guy that looks exactly like him as far as stats are concerned uh, when both of their careers are over. Who knows? But the potential for Winston is something that I would hang on to if I was Tampa Bay. So maybe that's me being Florida State biased, but who knows? We'll have to revisit that one, Calvin, because I don't have anything else to say tonight. Do you? No, just to to respond to what you said real quick, I think the reason their stats overall look similar is because well, like a good Fitzpatrick is, to my mind, much better than good, like much better than Jameis, who's pretty steady in what he is. And bad Fitzpatrick is a lot worse. You know what I mean? it, it ends up just balancing out. Oh, absolutely. And I guess I would rather Jameis seems steady, and Fitzpatrick is is uh, ups and downs for sure. Yeah, I guess I would just rather take the take a shot. Maybe it's some a gambler type. I'd rather take a shot. And I don't. I guess I don't believe in in Jameis long term, no matter what. So I don't see. Uh, the, the sort of the negative effect of not playing him or alienating him. I, I wouldn't pay But him do you believe big, in Fitzpatrick long term? Right? You don't, right? What's that? No, I don't. But uh, so, so if I, what I do with the Bucks again, is I ride with Fitzpatrick for the year, and then I draft a quarterback. I, but what if, but yeah. the thing. You, you start, play, but start, you I, to, they're not good enough to win the Super Bowl this year with Fitzpatrick, I don't think. And then they're starting over again. I mean, uh, I don't know. It seems like it's, they're taking steps back if they do it that way. It's the NFL. Here's the thing. It's the NFL one, all right? So who knows what, what can happen? You just talked about the Giants, a wild sure. card, Super Bowl win. Yep. Two, okay. I, but, but even even beyond that, Rory, I feel like there are too many, like, good young guys coming in the league all the time. You just The Chiefs just got Patrick Mahomes. You the, like, you see, you know, Baker Mayfield come into the game the other night and, like, light it up. I, I, I feel like if I'm – I don't know. Time is too short to spend – I, I get it. It takes certain guys like longer to develop, right? But we're talking about four years. Like, I, talk to me in year that, you know, like by year three, you should be good. You know what I mean? Or four, I would think it's a Where did you go, Calvin? Sounds like he's disappeared. Sounds oh like God. he's gone far away. No, it sounded like you had like stepped far away from your telephone. No, no, it's exactly in the same spot this entire time. That's weird. That's very strange. It sounded oh, you know like you, you were in- talking to a tin can. No, no, I just, I just figured it out. I have an incoming call. That, ah, yeah. interesting. Yeah, scam All likely. Right. So that's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so it's like, I don't know. I'd say the same thing about Titans. The Titans, like, do I still want to ride with Mariota? Like, why? You could do better. Even if even if Mariota's okay, which I don't, I'm not even sure that he is. Same thing would change. Like, why would I want like a lower tier guy? I get it. I get it. If you're Jacksonville, okay, and you're like, okay, well, well like we we think we're good even with Blake Bortles. We don't want to upset the hmm. boat. 
and, and then draft somebody who's the worst. But like the, the Titans and you know Tampa Bay, like they're not going anywhere with Jameis anyway. So like why if you why commit to like a large chunk of your salary? Just just draft the next rookie, and even if he's like slightly worse than Jameis, it's still better than paying Jameis twenty million a year and not having the money to then spend on another position. Like you can st- you can draft that rookie quarterback and then try to build your team around being dominant in other areas and like hope the guy is good enough to hold up. And like we've seen teams win under that scenario, whereas like I don't see how you're winning paying James Winston a decent amount. Fair enough. All right. I accept your argument. Okie dokie. So I think we're good, right? We're good for the evening. Yes, we I are. What else I want to talk about? Let's do it. We talked. We talked plenty. Plenty of talk tonight. Yes, plenty of plenty of discussion. You had a whole list of things. Tiger Woods, the the uh, oh yeah, oh yeah, Tiger back. Everson Griffin. I don't even know who that is. We got Jalen Brown in. Oh yeah, quickly one minute on Tiger Woods. Congratulations to him. I mean, through all the things that he's gone through, whether it's drug addiction or spousal abuse or what have you, it sounds like he's had a very difficult time uh, over the last ten years of his life. So it, it honestly, it's it's good to see him back winning the PGA Tour Championship, coming in second in uh, the the FedEx Cup, and uh, uh, just being back at the, at the top of golf. People were going crazy for him the other day. Yeah, does he make you care about golf? Or you still? Are you I turned it on when I when I, I I mean I didn't realize that he was that it was even happening, but when I looked on right. on Twitter and I saw that he was about to take it down i turned it on and watched yeah yeah i can, I kind of like him more now that he's been disgraced and i feel like i feel like that's kind of what's happening with a lot of people right it's, like, it's a weird thing that he's like now that he's been humbled mm. he's more relatable yeah he's a little more relatable i guess and hopefully he, does, he doesn't revert back to his uh, the ways that that got him disgraced right but uh overall i mean i, I think it's good for golf and i think it's an interesting story and i hope he comes back strong next year as well as both a golfer and a person you know and and uh it's just it's a good it's a good story to see yes it is all right well we're good we had a good nice good show all right um hopefully now we'll, we'll, be, we'll be back next week yeah right. I, I think so there's a preseason celtics basketball game at 8 p.m next week i hope i don't have to go to it but we'll see probably not hmm. Okay. I'll let you know. <laughs> All right. Good night, everyone. Goodbye!